following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Ah, today is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good news. All of it that we are looking for yesterday in recruiting all happened. Yes. Very positive there. Plus, in today's second hour at 5 o'clock, it is the fourth annual Gamey Awards. We are giving out 10 awards plus the hashtag MyBoyLifetimeAchievementAward to the one or the second, and maybe not the only, my but boy. it's the only hashtag my boy, that's Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> my boy. And of course, I'll be hosting it later on Yeah, in less than an hour. Dude, this is exciting. This Friday, is, there, there's a certain... There's a certain juice in the air today at the in the uh, in the studios, even yeah. in the K Rock studio. Humidity, yeah, <laughs> seeping. It's through hot the out wall. there. It's so yeah, hot. It's, it's getting in here. Yeah, I'm Holy. sweating and we got the AC on. Oof. But today is a special day, and we will kick uh, the gamies off at uh, just after five o'clock. I'm actually going to have Travion come over here. He's just going to be, of course, a co-host. I'm going to take care of the board. I'm going to run. All the stuff over there. So, Travion, congratulations. I guess you win the first gamey of uh, you take half of the show off and you just get to hang out with the boys. Congratulations. And you're going to mess up and he's going to be on top of you. Who are you texting over there? No one. No one. He's wearing a shirt I haven't seen before, by the way. I like your shirt a lot. Outcast shirt. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first time I've ever seen in my life an Outcast shirt. Really? They have a they have some pretty cool ones. You got to look hard though. Well, I if you see any any sort of hip hop rap shirts out there, it's typically the ones you can buy at Target or Spencer's, mm-hmm. and it's Wu Tang Clan, mm-hmm. Tupac. Mm-hmm. Who, who else? Am I leaving somebody out? Nothing but poetic justice Tupac shirts. That's when you know that they're not a real fan because they just <laughs> buy those. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I don't mind that. Get get a a digital underground shirt where Tupac is on it. I oh, have yeah. a digital underground shirt with Tupac on. See, it. there you go. That's when you know you're a fan. <laughs> I know it's trendy these days for people Travion's age to wear old school shirts, band shirts, metal shirts. I know me- wearing metal shirts has become popular lately. I don't mind, you know, people spreading the gospel. But I, I like I get excited about it, and then I want to ask him like, "Hey, what's your favorite ACDC song? What's your favorite Metallica song?" Like, and they're like, "I'm just wearing the shirt. I like the shirt." Uh, yeah. It's the general feel of seeing Nirvana shirts at Walmart. Well, I'll never forget when I was Oof. at Walmart, and Nirvana God, of all. I mean, really, this was probably ten years ago, and I was looking for something for my mom, so I asked a girl. Um, where this was at and we when we were going by I saw that they were selling something Nirvana and I was like oh that's, that looks pretty cool and she's like I don't even know who that is no. I'm like are you joking no it, it, we're talking you know 2012-2013 sure Nirvana hadn't been done for that I mean <laughs> Kurt Cobain 
he hadn't been gone that long, had he? Nirvana. Like, and I think I, and she was an adult. She seemed to be college age. Right. How do, how do you not know about Nirvana? Yeah, if, I, if you said local H, I'd be like, I understand why you don't know them. Did trivia Tuesday night, and uh, one of the questions was about ZZ Top. The answer was ZZ Top. <laughs> and there was a table next to us, young college age kids. And the answer comes up at ZZ Top. And they're like, oh, who is that? Oh. I was like, God dang it. God dang oh, it. On. Legends. That's who they are. Legends. <laughs> Hi, welcome. We have Ice and Tylenol here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the game. Ugh. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., and Travion Berklin, all four of us are here. I cannot wait for the Gamey Awards. We just got to wait a little less than an hour from now. We will be kicking that off. Let's get to the good news, as we're going to have our normal sports talk, of course, here in the first hour. The good news, what we were looking for yesterday, let's recap, was looking for a high school offensive tackle, eight-man player in the state of Kansas, commit to the Cats, who was ranked the number one player in Kansas by 24-7 sports. And then we were hoping, with fingers crossed, that Joe Toussaint and Mohamed Wagi would not run into travel issues trying to get to Manhattan because Manhattan Regional Airport shut down for the summer and into the fall. And uh, also flight cancellations all over the country, all sorts of airlines. And I was like, gosh dang it, if Southwest costs us a chance at a national championship, I'm canceling my credit card. Yeah, I'm out. I'll never book them again. I'm going to keep the points, of course. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. Credit card, we're done. See ya. You're out. See ya. Let's start with Caden Massey. More recapping, I guess. Mm-hmm. As I've said now, like all week, his last name should be Massive because he's, <laughs> he's a huge dude. I mean, he's Cornelius Lucas Hythe, 6'8 and 255, playing at Linden High School in Linden, Kansas. And he was down to four schools when he made his announcement last night at 730. The Kansas State Wildcats, the Oklahoma Sooners, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and the Old Miss Rebels. Didn't take too long. There wasn't a whole lot of drama. After he gave some thank yous, he grabbed the K-State hat right away. That was over to his left, and he didn't fake us out. It wasn't, you know, act like you're putting on the Oklahoma hat, set it down, maybe start reaching for the Nebraska hat. Flipped the Ole Miss hat off the table. No, he just wired away, just went for the K-State hat. No Put drama. it on. Perfect. It was really no drama at all. Yes. And talking to D.Y. on Wednesday, there was no drama talking about it. There was no real question marks. Like, of course, there's always like, you know, maybe there was an outside chance of picking somebody else. But K-State was a very heavy favorite. Of the big three that we've been talking about, Grant Bricks, who's an offensive lineman and uh, the number one player out of Iowa, and then Michael Boganowski, the linebacker from Junction City. Bricks, by the way, a four-star as well. Out of the big three, he was the one in Cade Massey that we felt was the home run get for K-State. Or at least, what I should put it this way, maybe not the home run get. I shouldn't phrase it that way. Just felt like a concrete get. It was going to be 100% K-State heading into last night's decision for Cade Massey that he was going to pick the Cats. What a recruiting class this has been so far for Connor Riley, Con Klein, the K-State offense, because now this is the third commit out of the state of Kansas, seventh commit for the class, but now 
got a whole bunch of offensive linemen on the, in this class with Caden Massey. You have Gus Hawkins, who's also from the state of Kansas. And how about Will Howard's younger brother, Ryan Howard, is also coming to K-State. Plus, out of Des Moines, Iowa, Kyle Raker. So you now have four offensive linemen, a part of this recruiting class. This is a job well done. You're looking for the icing on the cake, the exclamation point on the offensive line recruiting, if he can get Grant Bricks. Even without him, this is a very solid class for K-State with the offensive line, with the class in general, though there's still, of course, a long way to go. But they are taking care of business with the offensive line. We're going to have a brand new offensive line after this upcoming season. This is necessary recruiting. Heavy offensive line recruiting is necessary to fill back up some spots. It's been an ex- excellent work. And Caden Massey, you know, K-State was there first. It goes back to last year. And Connor Riley doing his job, doing solid recruiting. He's been awesome. And it was successful at the mm. end of the day. So congratulations to K-State football on the recruiting win. And, of course, they're not done. You know, Michael Boganowski has visited K-State seven times. Uh, Cade Massey has been here six times, and they just visited, what was it, last weekend when they visited? And uh, the commitment is in, and the recruitment is done with Cade Massey. Uh, The industry ranking has him as the third best player in the state of Kansas. 24-7 Sports says he is the best player in the state of Kansas. And now K-State, what feels like is... You know, the majority decision on the top five players in the state of Kansas. K State now has three of the five oh, oh. top players in the state of Kansas with Gus Hawkins and also uh, John Price, running back out of Blue Valley. Now, to basketball. The good news there we can confirm Joe Toussaint and Muhammad Wagi are officially in town. Yeah. They are here. The recruiting visit is taking place. I don't. I, I guess I don't necessarily know how long they're scheduled to be here, but like we've said in earlier this week, Jerome Tang feels that these are the guys that can complete the recruiting class, fill the last two positions or the last two scholarships. I would say, and I agree. I absolutely agree. If you get this package deal, first of all, a couple of thoughts here. If this does happen, and I absolutely hope it does, because I think they would be a great fit. Fill some very, I put it this way, they would be very important pieces to the puzzle of trying to reach a Final Four. Because this is already what they have right now with the 11. It is an NCAA tournament team. It feels like a legit threat for a Big 12 title. It really does. These two guys adding that depth to what K-State already has depth-wise would be gigantic. Mm-hmm. It would be an absolute battle for minutes with 13 guys. When you look at experience though that is an area where again this team is going to go into the year being a bit on the low side and that's where that depth would be a huge help going in and maybe push it past that potential of winning a big 12 title to being a team that's literally one of your two picks three picks maybe to win it my other thought is you know, it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. that I was a freaking out a little Every, bit. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, nothing right. was happening. It was the same thing as last year. It was a bit of a quiet May. And then June rolls around, and things are picking up greatly 
and recruiting in June. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened last year. They got what I think like four, five maybe in the in the recruiting last year in June, and now if you land these two guys heading into July, I think that's the ultimate zip it critics. We know what we're doing. Don't worry, it's under control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That will be for me the final nail in the coffin of like, all right, I should not doubt these guys. They're doing an excellent job. We do worry, but at the end of the day. They find guys that they like, and if you do your own research or you just listen to us, I think you're going to be convinced that they are the right guys for the job. Yeah, dude. They are filling some some difficult shoes. Great team last year, but it's a lot of talent, and like um, like Troy said, a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Joe Toussaint fills the experience box, checks that box because he has played over 100 games. He's played only – Power six basketball, three years at Iowa, and now a year at West Virginia, and the potential of Muhammad Wagi is through the roof. I see the raw talent like I've seen in Naquan Tomlin, that kind of big man, athletic raw talent that he could really develop into a really special player, and he 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 you know he could definitely have a bigger opportunity at K State. But the important thing yesterday was just get them in town. Yeah. And, and they did a solid yesterday of once they arrived, because I think Joe Toussaint, or one of them arrived very late last night. I believe I believe it was uh, Toussaint. Yeah, no, or, it was or Toussaint. Toussaint. Yeah, Wagee posted earlier. But they both you know, put the pin down on Twitter. They're in Manhattan, Kansas, and the recruitment is on. So... That's big news, and I also read, and I think this was uh, from from Derek Young from Kingston Online, that Jerome Tang and Grant McCaslin, who is the new head coach for Texas Tech, he was previously at North Texas, the previous head coach of Tyler Perry, who's now going to play some point for K State, that they were you know coordinating with each other to try to you know work out the travel details for Joe Toussaint, who visited Texas Tech before he arrived in Manhattan. But like we said yesterday, this is some tough battles K-State's playing right now because there are teams like K-State still needing to fill some spots. These two jump into the portal and now they're some of the best available. Well, best available is one of the boxes K-State wanted to check with one of these last two scholarships. The other one is an experienced guard. That experienced guard is Joe Toussaint. With potential, you don't find a whole lot of guys better than Muhammad Wagi if you, if you take a look at who's left in the portal. If K-State's able to land both of these guys, you're talking about a transfer class that would argue, I think, no doubt to be a top 10 class. Yeah. It probably wouldn't beat KU. And that's the thing. Like Again, this is like all like recruiting site information. I haven't seen like a rating for Wagee, and I think Joe Toussaint was listed as a three-star guy. But they would, they would catapult in the top 10 with adding Joe Toussaint and Muhammad Wagee. So stay tuned. Uh, we do know Joe Toussaint is thinking of taking a day trip to Alabama, doing some Zoom meetings for for some other schools. Gonzaga is involved in that, and um, you know before coming to Manhattan, Muhammad Wagi was visiting DePaul, and he said earlier that K State DePaul is hev- is uh, recruiting him the heaviest. So stay tuned on that. And when we come back, uh, big news actually just moments ago announced by the Big Twelve. That's up next on the game. We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, 
Troy Coverdale, David G, and Travion Berkland. We have the Gaming Awards coming up in hour number two. Before we get to the Big 12, former pro wrestler passed away today, Darren Drozdoff. Um, now, Troy's a Denver Broncos fan. He might remember that name. Darren Drozdoff mm-hmm. used to play college football at Maryland, and then he was picked up by the Denver Broncos and played three years as a nose guard. But he then turned from NFL to professional wrestler, and I mean, he had such a young career. I don't even know if he was two years into his run at WWE. He was uh, piled drive by D'Lo Brown. It broke his neck, and he was paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. So, and that was back, I believe, in 1999 when that happened. So, you know, lived 24 years, paralyzed from the neck down, mm. and he uh, just passed away today. Now, breaking news from earlier today. This is actually in the last hour. A statement from Commissioner Brett Yormark. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's the, uh, here's the meat. The Big 12 Conference is thrilled to announce that it has executive, it has executed rather, its long form agreements for the extension of its media rights with partners ESPN and Fox through the 2030 31 academic year. Well, this was announced that it was going to happen back in October. It's not official until right now. And I, it's, it's very, of course, interesting timing because tomorrow is when BYU. Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF officially join the Big 12. The deal is for six years, and it's worth over $2.2 billion. It is the third largest conference media rights deal in college sports. Of course, the SEC and Big 10. A few more dollars in those. But also... Another thing about this timing is, of course, you know, the Pac-12 is still, you know, I, 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 I figured they, I, if I remember correctly, they told us it was going to be done, like, real soon, like this summer, maybe this month. Uh, yeah. Didn't quite happen. So they're still trying to figure that out. Meanwhile, if you go back a couple of weeks, San Diego State had told the Mountain West that they are formally announcing that they're going to be exiting the conference. <laughs> they sent a letter. Right. Well, it turns out, as of today, they are tucking their tail between their legs, and they're going back to the Mountain West. The thing is, and you can point blame wherever you want, I think it's actually funnier today, San Diego State, their situation, but the Pac-12, Troy, still has nothing to offer them. They have nothing. And, I mean, was this misplayed by the Pac-12? Did they feel like they actually had something for San Diego State and then turns out it didn't? Or was it false hope on the Aztecs? What do you think? I believe that it was a it was false hope on the part of the Aztecs who got a bad read on the situation. I really think that they in, in conversing with the higher ups somewhere in the mix got the feel that this was going to be a done deal and a comfortable situation for them. And instead it became highly uncomfortable and now they find themselves. And let's remember, and, you know, I mean, this is way, way back at this point. But remember when Boise was going to go to the Big East for football? So was San Diego State. Mm. That was a pairing. 
San Diego State has been wanting out of the Mountain West for over a decade now. They're, they're the Mizzou of the, of the Mountain West, thinking they can do better uh, every chance they get. I mean, Mizzou talked for how many years they were going Big Ten. Never happened. It was humorous. But in the, you know, that they didn't get, even get an invite. Nebraska did. Uh, but, you know, at the time, the idea was, well, at least if we go that far west and, and bring Boise in with all of the excitement, we can add South or uh, add San Diego State and boom, we've got the L.A. market. We're good to go. We're keeping this thing humming with the Big East. And, well, that fell apart dramatically quickly. You know, I I think about an episode of The Sopranos where this guy is, he's like selling drugs at this club that Christopher's, his uh, his girlfriend Adriana, she Mm -hmm. owns the wild horse. And he gets roughed up by The Sopranos guys. And he goes and asks Jackie Jr., he's like, hey, is it, you know, can you talk to him for me? And Jackie Jr. does and gets kind of brushed off. But he goes back and he tells the guy, go ahead. You can keep you can keep selling at the club. It's cool. I talked it over with the crew and it's all good to go. I think San Diego State talked to somebody who had no stroke in the big the Pac-12. And they were like, it's a done deal, baby. It's a done deal. And that's indicative of the top guy has no control over anybody. And so people are out there just talking trying to act big and act like they are are shot callers when they're not. You notice who's not talking amidst any of this. Oregon Oregon and and Washington. Washington. Yeah, yeah. Not a peep out of those two athletic departments. Yeah, don't you think that's who I would lock it up with? That's who I'd talk to. If I was San Diego State or Boise State or whoever the heck wants to join up, I would make sure I talk to those two schools and go, what can I do to get in here? What can I do? And maybe it's they do or they have talked to and Oregon and Washington are like, hey, we're waiting for the Big Ten to come. <laughs> like, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you join the Pac-12. I'm, I'm, we're out of here. And who's talking the most is a Washington State. Washington. Is, it's a Kirk Schultz. Kirk, he's yeah. talking. No, you know, it's so funny. It's just He seems confident. He does. And you know what I think? I actually do think if you added Boise State, San Diego State, and then there was a couple other, like maybe a UNLV. Um, that is kind of a rad little league. You know what I mean? Like if, with the remaining Pac-12 guys, adding San Diego State, adding Boise State, UNLV, and there was another team, maybe um, Colorado State, I think it was. Um, but I saw like a, somebody did it on a, little, on a map on Twitter, and I was like, that's actually kind of a cool league. I, I'd, I'd tune into that. I'd watch that. But – to act like you're too good for San Diego State and to turn them down is it's embarrassing for San Diego State, but also for whoever is left in the Pac-12. To say you're too good for them, you need all the help you can get, man. I really think that. I think they should have scooped them up a long time ago. Then you've got SMU sitting on the side. Oh. And all of the talk over the last two weeks that they were going to get something done, that Oof. something was coming, that something was, hi, it's the end of June. You're on the outside looking in again. See, today's a big was a big deadline for Mm -hmm. San Diego State because if they got out before tomorrow, they're you know the the buy or not the buyout, but basically what what's the phrase or the word I'm trying to think of? Their exit fee. Exit fee. The exit fee 
would be half of what it would be if they left after the first. It would basically double tomorrow. Well, that's going to be way too much money. I mean, probably the exit fee for San Diego State would be it'd be high, but now it's going to be double if they were to leave after today. Well, now there's nothing they really can do. It was a false hope. There's nowhere to go. They could still go if they wanted to, but financially it's probably not worth it right now, especially when you don't have a media rights deal figured out. You don't know what you're getting back quite yet. It's like quitting a job before you have something else lined up. You know what I mean? Like when you have another job lined up, go ahead, put in a two weeks and just hang out. The the upheaval now is going to, or or I should say the uncertainty and the choppy waters are now going to exist for another year. That's crazy. That's crazy. And they had everybody convinced. They were telling people, our deal is going to be better than the Big 12's deal. And they don't even have, they don't, no, there's nothing there is nothing. And they have people with some some recognition or somewhere high up in that league telling officials at other schools, you're in, baby. Go ahead. Leave the, leave the Mountain West. I don't think San Diego State just did this because they got, went and had some tarot cards read to them. You know what I'm saying? Somebody somewhere said, heck yeah, you're in, baby. And it's a high up person. To, I mean, to draft that letter and put it out there with no shame whatsoever and go, yeah. Expecting, I think they expected within 48 hours for the announcement to come out like, yeah, the Pac 12 is adding San Diego State. Nothing. Can, I mean, how embarrassing. How embarrassing. But it's because someone up, up high said to do that. And that's, that's too bad for them. Too bad. Basically, speaking of somebody up high, somebody up high at ESPN are starting to axe contracts. Yikes. It has been a shocking day for who has lost their job at ESPN because today is Black Friday. The uh, names, and I think a lot of it will shock you, are coming up next on The Game. Oh, yeah. It's the game on K-Man. The Gamey Awards coming up just after 7 o'clock. It is the fourth annual. Ten awards will be announced. Plus, the hashtag my boy Lifetime Achievement Award will be given to Deuce Vaughn. I'll be, of course, hosting the festivities. Can't mm. wait to do it. Hosting it for my second year. Ooh. Hosting the Gameys. They brought you back. A lot of times they just... These kind of prestigious award shows, they go through hosts, you know what I mean? And to be brought back for a second time is in two years is a big deal. Last time I was told uh, my uh, the opening monologue was really good. So. Nice. That's right. I remember people crying, people weeping in the streets because it was so good. It was talked about for a while, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure was. A lot of comedians actually quit because they were like, I can't do better than that. I haven't heard from the Academy Awards, but the Golden Globes seem interested. Yeah. Putting some feelers out there. I Ooh, hope it works out. Okay. Especially since Ricky Gervais is no longer interested. They needed somebody <laughs> that can be a little bit of a loose cannon. <laughs> Not afraid to bring the heat. Are you going to go blue or 
you going to keep it family friendly? Like, what's the story there? Oh, wow. It's no holds barred. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Are you talking about today? No, I mean for the golden. I mean, today I know oh. what you're going to do today. You have a you have a formula and it works and you're going to keep it there. Well, if I knew that so many people were going to be axed today, 86 from ESPN, I would have vi- invited them to the game. something <laughs> to take their mind off of losing their job. <laughs> Boy, uh, like I said before the break, Bristol, Connecticut, I mean, it is Black Friday, and it's not a good Black Friday. It's not, I mean, maybe it's fighting over one job, you know, trying to fight over TVs Black Friday with all these people. <laughs> uh, but, man, so Disney right now, they're, they're doing a lot of cost-cutting things. Like, and a lot of media companies are doing this right now. They're trying to cut a lot of costs right now, trying to get rid of contracts, giving people severance. I'm actually very curious to hear what se- the severance packages are oh. from ESPN. Yeah, for someone like like Neil Everett, I mean, that guy's been there for 50 years. I mean, I think they're signing contracts. I'm not sure exactly how it goes at ESPN. Sure. But anyway, I, I was very shocked to hear about a number of, of these names, yeah. and they're still rolling out. Like I'm not even keeping up with all of them. Last I checked, and this was an hour and a half ago, twenty over twenty people Oof. that were doing TV or radio for ESPN have been 86th. The first one that really caught my attention was uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who, and I'm sure you guys have watched plenty of times on NBA broadcasts. Um, I've always enjoyed him, even though I haven't heard him too many times. I would say he's been one of my favorites. I don't know. What about you guys? I, he can be very awkward with some of what he's. I'm okay with that. Said, um, honestly, though, in terms of his usual assessment of a game, I felt that he's always been much better than what Mark Jackson is. He called. He has called 17 NBA Finals. Yeah, he was just about on the cusp, of, and and bringing just past it, 100 Finals games. Yeah, and JVG was just about to reach that mark. I mean, that's a that's a plateau that many do not reach in our business. When you start talking breaking down basketball, uh, him and Hubie Brown. I always thought Hubie Brown was so good and somebody that uh, when they start talking the game, you go, "Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about." I also loved those NBA on ESPN commercials they used to do, where they had them like those guys, the commentators. And then they'd have like some basketball players as well. They pretended they were just driving around in a big Winnebago from like city to city all season. He did amazing in those commercials, so I'll miss that. But he's going to pick up a job so fast, so fast. I'm sure, and I'm sure a lot of these guys are. I mean, there are also a bunch of former athletes: Matt Hasselback, Steve Young, Lafonso Ellis. They've all been Matt Hasselback. Let go. Sucked. I thought he sucked. Yeah, I was. I didn't watch a whole lot of his stuff yes, to be honest with sucked. you. Uh, Jason Fitz, who had been doing ESPN radio, has been let go. Uh, former musician. I didn't know that. <laughs> David Pollock was a very big surprise from ESPN's College Game Day, the NF- or the uh, football college game day. I was a fan of his, and I thought you know, he might be the next guy up after Lee Corso. Like whenever he decides to call it a day, I feel like David Pollock would maybe take over that chair. So I always thought he did a solid job. I like him more than Desmond Howard. Mm -hmm. Really do. I think he's just better with this analysis and predicting, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you. It's a, that one was a big surprise. Mm -hmm. I, you know what, David Pollock, dude, what a, that guy was destined to be a superstar in the NFL and then neck injury, just bam, done. Max Kellerman was also let go from ESPN. I was not, I've never been a fan of raised voice 
shouting analysis of stories, <laughs> as in what he did with Stephen A. Smith. Mm-hmm. I've never been a Stephen A. fan um, just because of the delivery and, and, the, uh, and the personality. I loved Max Kellerman when he was on HBO Boxing. Him and, and Jim Lampley with, um, oh gosh, uh, Max, Ke- or no, jeez. Who was the third guy? I'm blanking. Larry Merchant. Larry Merchant. Yeah. Thank you. I thought that was a great duo with uh, Jim Lampley. Yeah. You know, it was – so Max Kellerman eventually would have taken over for uh, Larry Merchant because he's getting older. Yeah. And uh, you know who else is a fantastic former boxer turned analysis? Is, uh, Roy Jones Jr. was yes. always fantastic. And those three – He was also in the color seat. Very yeah. good. Very, very good. Kellerman has had such a spotted career, though, with ESPN in that he created Around the Horn. Yeah. That was his baby before they handed it off to reality because Kellerman got a contract to go over to Fox Sports 1 and do IMAX. Uh Uh-huh. And you know what's funny is, do you remember... Tony Reale made a huge deal about not being wanting to be called Stat Boy anymore. Correct. Because he was Stat Boy for the yes. longest time. Yes, exactly. And he said, no more. Don't call me Stat Boy. So, so then Kellerman comes back to ESPN, and they just never found a spot where it worked for him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I always thought, they have this deal with top-ranked boxing, and um, so there's a ton of boxing on Friday nights on ESPN and they never put Max Kellerman in there. And I thought, is that something that he's decided he doesn't want to do? Because it seems like a really natural fit. Uh, a guy that is loves the get, loves the sport of boxing, is very good at it. I think you put him in there, and it legitimizes that whole thing. Um, but whatever. I guess he was too expensive. And a couple more names to throw out there that also uh, got the axe today. Todd McShay is now done at ESPN. Of course, you probably know him from the NFL draft and NFL coverage. And then Susie Kolber was a huge surprise to me. She's been that's, with ESPN for 30 years. Wow. That's the one that I, uh, b- between her and, and David Pollock was inexplicable to me, but especially Susie Kolber was an inexplicable move to me. She's your anchor of your Monday night show, and uh, you, you essentially just blew that up uh, because you, they also got rid of Steve Young off of that show, and uh, Matt Hasselback is gone. So their Monday night coverage is going to be dramatically different right out of the box on the uh, pregame and halftime and postgame. Please no booger. Please no. Uh, (laughs) Somebody at ESPN loves Booger McFarlane. Someone loves that guy, and they keep him around. He stinks. Let me correct myself. She started at ESPN in 93, had a brief run at Fox, and then went back to ESPN. But she was making $3 million a year. Damn! Here, here's the uh, trivia question. Okay. Who were the two people that appeared first on ESPN2? Okay, so wait a minute. Okay. No, okay, not Brian Kelly. Um, not, not Stuart Scott. He was always a big time. Um, Dan Patrick. No. Oh, Dang. Way too big. Um, oh, really? Yeah. You're on the right direction, though. Yeah. Um... Susie okay. Colber? Uh, Rich Eisen and Susie Colber. No. You, you're you half right. Susie Colber, Keith Olbermann. Ah! Keith Olbermann and Susie Colber were the pairing for what was known as, at the time, Sports Tonight. <laughs> Their version of 
Sports Center. It's so funny what when he they had, tried to spin it as a you know right. as a completely separate network. It's and, so funny what ESPN two has become now. It's just like you know, it, it's not what it once it, used. to If be. you think that's funny, watch ESPN News. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll finish the hour before we have the game. He's coming up in the second hour. When we come back, I enjoyed listening to this podcast of an old staffer for Nick Saban. Tell a story on about how important it is for Nick Saban to make tea times. That's up next. All right, to finish up the hour, I heard this on a podcast, and I thought it was a very interesting story. It's about Nick Saban and tea times, because Nick Saban is a big-time golfer when he's not all wrapped up in all that Alabama coaching stuff that he does. This was a story told by a former staffer of his named Tyler Siski. Here's a golf story. We're going to Kiva Dunes to play in a golf tournament, and we have a staff meeting at 7.30 in Tuscaloosa. I figured, hey, we need to get out of this meeting at 10.15 at the latest, or he's going to be pissed because he's going to be late for the golf tournament, the press conference, the whole deal. Kirby comes in to me and goes, hey, you have your bag packed, and you have it by your door. When he says it's time to go, grab your bag and run to the parking lot. And I'm going, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, you'll understand. Just trust me. At 10.57, one hour and three minutes before tea time in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which we are in Tuscaloosa, for those that are listening and don't understand geography, that's a long way away. He literally goes like this. He has his reading glasses on. He takes his reading glasses off real nice and calm. He goes, all right, boys. He goes, I told him we wouldn't be late. Let's go. And when he said that, the room scattered like cockroaches. The light's on. I mean, grown-ass men running down the hall. And he never broke stride. He is as calm as day, just got up, went to his office, put his stuff down, and just starts walking down the hall. We get out to, to the parking lot, and there were two vans, two passenger vans. And a guy goes, offense over here, defense over here. They had a police escort and got us through town and took us straight on the runway. There were two jets cranked up, not on the taxiway, on the actual runway. They pulled us out. We threw the luggage. We got on. 23 minutes later, we landed in uh, Gulf Shores. Same two setup, passenger van deal. We pull up. I hit my first golf ball at 11.57. One hour, 60 minutes exactly from sitting in the staff room to hit my first golf ball. Yeah, that's just unreal. Yeah, a- absolutely. Efficiency, I'm, baby. Efficiency. I remember the Sugar Bowl, and when Nick Saban walked in for the press conference, it was like the president walked in. I mean, he's the president of Alabama. For sure. The state. He could do whatever he wants. Sure. He can get anywhere quickly. By the way, that if you were to drive from Tuscaloosa to wherever they were going, it's five hours. Wow. Yeah. Get there. Now. All right. But, hey, can't pay the players. <laughs> when we come back, hey, the best team's got to get into the playoff. <laughs> we would have been the favorite in, against three of the four teams. When we come back, it is the fourth annual Gamey Awards. And, of course, your local news.